think of somebody who you just think is a great leader and, and you think about why they are great leaders, people want to follow. And people want to follow somebody who's fun to be around. Keith Kroc has taken three companies public, starting with Ariba in 1999, up 300% on its first day of trading. Then Angie's List in 2011, and DocuSign, which he took public last year. He's been the vice president of General Motors, the chairman of Purdue University, and the national director of the Sigma Chi fraternity. Keith sat down with me to talk about leadership, venture capital, and memories of his dad. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. So your father owned a machine shop, and you were one of his employees at a, at a very early age. I assume he then worked to put you through Purdue University. Is that accurate? Well, he encouraged me to go because he wanted me to be, uh, be an engineer yeah. to grow the machine shop. Big. So from five people to ten. Uh, but And he was planning on uh, doing that. Uh, because he always said, Keith, you save money for three reasons. The first one is for a home for your family. The second is for your retirement, so you don't mooch off your kids. And the third is for your children's education. You would always mortgage the first two for the third. But when I got, uh, when I went to Purdue my sophomore year, General Motors came on campus and they offered uh, a General Motors scholarship full ride to one uh, male engineer and one female engineer. So I got that. And, he, and uh, I remember when I first told him that I interviewed for that, he was really skeptical. He goes, oh, those big companies, they don't do that. And then when I told him I got it, he goes, well, Generous Motors. I always <laughs> love Generous Motors. And you became the youngest GM vice president in the company's history. Is that right? That's correct. At yeah. age what, 20? 26. What is it like watching, walking around GM uh, and being vice president, and there are people there twice your age. That must have been a leadership challenge from the get-go. It was scary, uh, but and it was a challenge. I had some great mentors, um, but, it, you know, you just learned. I just learned so much, and I had a great team working for me. Uh, you know, I, I mean, and we, at that time, uh, we were kicking off uh, a joint venture in the robotics business, and we were able to kind of uh, kind of write our own rules a little bit. So it was an incredible experience. Now I'm assuming you didn't go back to the machine shop. <laughs> I, I didn't go back. My my I didn't go back to Litco Industries. That's what my dad called the machine shop. I did, and you know, uh, uh, but. Working side by side with them since the age of, you know, from like 12 to 19, I became so close uh, to him and gained so much respect. And in my mind, he was always just a great leader. So he was, he was a great role model for me. What, what were the leadership lessons that you learned from your dad, uh, you know, a welder in, in Indiana and a machine shop owner <laughs> that you then carried to, to Fortune 500 companies? Well, um, I'll tell you, a big one is... Think of somebody who you just think is a great leader, and and you think about why they are great leaders. People want to follow them, and people want to follow somebody who's fun to be around. And my dad was about the funniest guy you ever met, and he had a great self-deprecating sense of humor. And I remember him telling me, he goes, Keith, and he was a boxer in the army. He goes, Keith, you ever feel like you're ever cornered in a ring? You're in a situation, can't get out of it. I go, yeah. He goes, you want to know how to get out of it? Or he goes, you know how to get out of it every time? I go, no. He goes, all right, here's what it is. 
mock yourself out. Just, you know, I don't think he knew the word self-deprecating, but it's just make fun of yourself. And I think that was a magic formula because, you know, when you're leading a big team of people and you're standing up in front of the company, uh, chances are these guys know your failures, your fears and your flaws, or they soon will. And so why not have fun with it? and mock yourself out. And I think that creates a safe environment. That was something magical I learned from my dad. Keith would go on to co-found Silicon Valley's Ariba Networks with $6 million in funding from Benchmark Capital. When you approach venture capital and you're trying to figure out valuation, you know, I'll give you 10% of my company in exchange for $10 million. That would assume, therefore, you have an evaluation of, of $100 million. But that's kind of out of whole cloth, isn't it? I mean, there's no way, particularly in a company that's losing money, where you'd be able to figure out how much is this thing worth? Uh, you know, I spent six months kind of being a venture capitalist at Benchmark. I figured, well, they'll do discounted cash flows, net present value, all that stuff you learn at Harvard Business School. No, they don't do that at all. They don't even read the business plan. I'm, by the way, I'm just saying in general, overall, um, you know what they do? They they really, uh, they look at the people and, uh, you know, do they have a track record or... Um, do we really believe in them? And then it's kind of like what the market will bear. So my recommendation always to folks going out and raising money for the first time is, you know, uh, uh, don't do it. Uh, don't go after them all in parallel. Do them in surreal. And do go some, from venture capital firm. Yeah, to venture capital yeah. Firm. Don't just like try to do the big shot because you're going to learn something along the way. Pick a couple friendlies and then kind of go uh, after. It. And by the way, I also remember the venture capitalists. They never say no. Uh, they have the art of you know. It's like well, we, we'll see because when the other guys come on board or if something happens <laughs> and it's looking that's good, that's their they way of be saying there. No. they'll never say no. <laughs> <laughs> When you took Ariba public, uh, there was a headline I read, uh, looking it up in archives, um, that said, uh, even without a dot-com in its name, Ariba <laughs> did very well. At one point, it was worth $40 billion during the dot-com boom. You sold it to SAP for $4.3 billion. Is there ever a point in which you think, oh, no, what have I done? It was worth 40 now it's worth 4 a mere $4 billion. <laughs> Or is that just the you know the vagaries of the stock market? Well, I think I, I think that's kind of how it goes. Uh, to me, the ultimate measure is you know the lasting impact in terms of that legacy. So, for example, Ariba created business to business e commerce category. To this day, uh, it. It, 1.7 trillion of commerce goes through Ariba Network, which is more than Amazon, eBay, and Alibaba combined. So that was built to last. And yeah, the stock markets go up and down and all that. And I remember one of my, our board members, actually Bob Cagle from, from Benchmark, who's also an old General Motors guy, when we were at $40 billion, he goes, how long do you think this is going to last? I go, not forever. He goes, what are you going to do? I go, we're going to put as much cash as we can in the bank. We're going to get 10 years worth of customers in two years, and we're going to buy companies uh, with our equity. And that's what we did. And, and, and we were going head on head against Commerce One at that point, but we put them out of business. In 2009, Kroc joined DocuSign and as chairman of the board took that company public at $6 billion valuation. He was the company's largest single individual shareholder at the time. As the stock rose 37% on the first day, 
CNBC said cloud fever continues. You fired yourself as CEO when you were chairman at DocuSign. You were the CEO at DocuSign. Yeah, now you're the chairman and CEO of DocuSign. Did you fire yourself? Uh, no, 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 I didn't fire myself. <laughs> by the way, I, I said, you know, and by the way, if you look at... And I use firing in a... In yeah, a, in yeah. A, in a, yeah. Okay, I guess I did fire myself. Yes, you did fire yeah, yourself. Yeah. by the way, why did you're you out fi- the door, man. Why did you fire yourself? Well, I'll tell you why. Um, my life's typically gone in chapters of seven years. And, uh, and when I was... I never thought I'd go back and do the CEO gig again, uh, you know, after, after Ariba. And it's, you know, uh, the board guys are going, you know, just do it for like a year or something like that. And so I told my wife, I said, you know, hey, here, here we go again. I'm going to be under the desk in the fetal position, you know, at least once a quarter, all that stuff. Uh, but, it, you know, it was time after, you know, being the CEO there for seven years, eight years. And uh, and also, too, we were about ready to go public. And I and the one thing that I knew is, is that, um, you know, and that was about a year away, that once you take a company public, you can't like go a year later, hey, um, now I'm going to do it. So I wanted to do it before we went public. And, and you know, we could have gone public three years before we did. But I'm really glad we held off and built up that strength and got in a great CEO. What's what's ahead for you? You're stepping down as uh, CEO of DocuSign. What's ahead for you? Uh, you know, it's, it's time to uh, give back and pay it forward. And I've always had a passion uh, for mentorship. Uh, and um, in particular, mentorship for the next generation transformational leaders. So I'm putting some wood behind that arrow um, and uh, and starting the virtual uh, mentor network because uh, to be a transformational uh, leader, this stuff's not written in a book. You don't learn this stuff at Harvard Business School. You learn it by getting in the ring uh and getting bloodied and you learn from people's failures. I mean, you, of course you learn the most from your failures, but you got plenty of time for that. So why not learn from actually some of the very best who are open to it? And so, you know, in our pilot series, we have four-star general Stanley McChrystal. We have Dan Golden, a longer serving uh, director at NASA, and also Michael Brown, one of the most epic social entrepreneurs. So uh, I think that's going to be a big focus. So, you know, you never know. There's always adventures out there. Keith Kroc on his next chapter. The next chapter for us comes next week. I'll sit down with angel investor Elad Gill. Someone told me he's the most important angel investor in Silicon Valley. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. If you're in the San Francisco area, that's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.